podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi everybody, it's Lee here. Welcome to what a series of what we're tentatively calling Nesson Dorma Extra Time, where we deal with some stuff that's kind of off the main stuff of the pod, interviews and some special features. And the first one is going to be this one, which is our, our Rob interviewing Andy Bollin, author of Fierce Genius, about Johan Cruyff's extraordinary final season at Feyenoord. Some really good stuff in here. Hope you enjoy it and I'll hand you over to Rob. Hi Andy, thanks for joining us. So you've written a book called Fierce Genius, which is a great title by the way. Do you want to tell us Thank a bit you. about what it's about? And hello Rob, how you going on? Hello, hello yeah. Hello. <laughs> uh, it's the book, it looks at Cruyff's life and career, seen through the prism of this incredible season he had at, at Feyenoord, right at the very end of his, his uh, amazing career. It was just such a wonderful career he had, but a lot of people don't know about it. It was an incredible year for him because he was ending up as a footballer and starting to think about being a coach. Plus, he went from Ajax, who, I mean, he was in with the bricks at Ajax, literally. He was just, you know, he wasn't a brickie. He was, <laughs> he was you know, he had been there since he signed for him in his 10th birthday. He used to deliver fruit to them. His, his dad had the greengrocers, and whenever the, the guys were all ill and all that in the, the late 50s, when they were an amateur team, he would deliver stuff to them. He was such, such a... It was everything that Ajax were about. He won three European Cups in a row, and then at the end of his career, he ends up going to Feyenoord, which is like, it's, I see everyone, it's like um, Messi going to Real Madrid. It was, it was just unbelievable at the time. It's crazy. So, he... so that's what the book's about. I, I look at that season, and then I, tell, I talk about like his life and times. I don't interspersed out, so we cut back to the and it's like match reports. I was like sitting like a wee, a wee journalist from the eighties, like <laughs> finally I'm a football journalist. But, um, and so I was doing that and looking at all the games, reading all the stuff, and then it was like a real labour of love. So he'd actually gone, he'd gone back to Ajax for a second spell, won the yes. double with them, and then then it was all quite controversial how it unfolded, wasn't it? Um, well, yeah. Do you want to do you want to tell what us actually what actually did happen was that. Everyone thinks that they just they dumped him, mm. but what they offered, they actually offered them, a, you know, a standard player contract. Now in the Netherlands, the players all they get paid like some like the equivalent to about two hundred quid a week. But any bonuses or any win money or any anything above that, the cream on top mm. goes into the pension when they turn forty. Mm. But whenever he was in America, he learned he, he had to come back in in nineteen. We'll come back to that in a minute. He had to come back in uh, to to the game when he was thirty one. Because he get ripped off badly by someone, but we'll talk about it in a second. And his father-in-law, Cor Coster, his name is, mm. was also his agent. So he's obviously looking after yeah. his daughter as well as his his number one star player. So he he comes up with this when they're in America. They they see how uh, football is seen as you know it's a, a real business and it's it's box office and all that. So they come up with this idea of a gate deal. So they, they what happened was they would said to him, just say the average is ten thousand. Anything above ten thousand, Cruyff got half, and Ajax got <laughs> half, right? So it started out, and and at the time Ajax weren't, I mean the, the crowds were low, but by the time it started to to come on, and it was fantastic. They couldn't believe how good he still was because he was basically playing in the sunshine out in out in LA and all that, and he was he was keeping fit. He was getting paid a fortune to keep fit, and then when he came back to Ajax, he was training with the guys, and he was fantastic. He was really, really, you couldn't believe how good he was, and he was organised. Nobody was already starting to coach all the all the young guys that are coming through to become superstars as well. But they're, they're just they had ten thousand gates, and then anything above ten thousand, they have to the money. So. He, all the guys, all the guys running uh, Ajax at the time were like, 
coming to the end of his career, the second, the, I think it was about a year and a half later, they sat down at the end of, um, the, just before, the, it was 83, 84, he went to finals, so before he went there, they looked at it and went, look at the amount of money he was getting, they couldn't, <laughs> yeah. believe, they couldn't believe how much he was getting, and he, Cor Coster had been talking to Feyenoord, and Feyenoord said, well, we'll match that deal if he wants to come to us. And their, their stadium at the time was holding like 48,000 average and 60,000 and all that. They were they, Their fans were like really loyal, kept going to the games even though they were rubbish. They mm. kept showing up, the Feyenoord fans. Feyenoord fans are really interesting, very good fans. Anyway, so that's the story. He went to he went from Ajax because of the, the, the guys there. Some brilliant quotes in his book. His book's worth picking up if you can get it online. Some of the stuff in... As well as my book, obviously. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're plucking the wrong book. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I've got a habit of doing that. I was on something recently, and for some reason I started shooting out about some daft guy at one the Booker who was Scottish, who we were talking about <laughs> just before the broadcast, and I just started shouting this book out, and they're all cutting themselves laughing. Anyway, it was, you know. Anyway, yes, fierce genius. Buy that first, then think about buying Johan Cruyff's My Turn or something it's called. It's fantastic. He's, he's very, very... And it's, it's obviously sad as well because he's writing it and, and by this point he knows he's he's, he's, he's going, he's going. He's had about months to live, Billy. But aye, so on a happy note, yeah, he was <laughs> he was really a huge inspiration, fantastic player. The business side of it was just superb thinking because he'd lost everything. That's what we're talking about. A guy called Michael George Basilevich, mm. so just him and his wife really, they just, you know, he's just a debonair guy, he got in their company and there was a neighbour and he got, he thought he was buying um, old old sort of houses and, and buying any amazing businesses and then one of the things was famously was a pig farm, mm. but they, they reckon, Cruyff's really proud and he, he, he rec- they reckon that he said it was um, $5 million or something he, he lost over, he said over, around, he always says around or over, you know, he's, he's like, yeah. you can imagine his voice, uh, he's saying about five million, but closer people to him were saying it was more like seven or eight, maybe even higher than that, but he was two, and then if if you can do those those cash sort of, uh, you know, um, what's, what do you call it, that inflation sort mm. of translator, whatever it's called, you can <laughs> you can go in and it's something like 30 million. No way. That's, imagine 30 million. The guy just, the guy wrapped him off and, and caught costers like that. You're looking at where's the papers? He was he wanted to see the you know the official papers that he'd signed to, and they were like, "You've been ripped off, this guy. These things don't exist. He's got he's gone. You, you need to go out and play football." And that's when they sent him over to America, come back into football in America, played like half a million. He originally was going to play for the Cosmos, mm. where uh, the Ertigan brothers who own Atlantic Records. They were they yeah. were they had all the money. They pumped all their money oh, into that. Okay, it was a, it was a bit of a vanity project, but what a his vanity projects go, Pelly, Beckham, <laughs> Barron, Cruyff. But yeah. Cruyff's like that, he got, five, he got something like half a million to do just as, as a pre, so he would be first, like first refusal type of money. Okay. Uh, if he came to America to play, we'd play with him. He played in a few games, he played about three times, but Pelly and, and Beckenbar told him, don't sign because it's, you do too much. There were too, there were too many... Uh, things that functions had to do and they, take, they were out in schools and they were out doing they were promotion all the time and doing loads of stuff and he said he didn't he played anyway and he hated playing in the, the AstroTurf so he ended up going to LA to team up with Renus Michaels who was over there at the time so mm. and you you were fascinated with him from when you saw him at Celtic is that right when he's second spell like oh well, well I've been fascinated with him since I was about eight oh of course because you'd have, you'd have seen well I'm older than you yeah, guys yeah. <laughs> 
So nineteen seventy four well nineteen seventy four World Cup, it was like the first World Cup that I saw my granny and granda's house over in Hamilton, a place called Hamilton. Mm. And uh, I, I live in age at the time, so my mum was from Hamilton or her family and they had a colour telly, right? <laughs> and watching the World Cup in colour was just like I was, Mum, can we go to my grand's? <laughs> For a month. Mum, can we go to my grand's? <laughs> so in Cruyff, in, in, in Orange, I remember one of the games, I think it was the Brazil the Brazil game, they played in a blue top. Mm. Or one of the games they played, oh, Brazil, no, Brazil were playing in blue, that's what it was, mm. instead of the yellow. But anyway, I digress. So I just loved his look, just always been obsessed with him. Just, I know. I just, I just liked his style and his hair and all that. And then the Cruyff turn. But what was so that? I remember 1974, there was, mm. it was Johan Cruyff, and then Top of the Pops, I think Sparks, one of the charts, <laughs> and the drummer out of Sparks was called Dinky Diamond, and he had this amazing drum kit. It was probably the best year of my life, 1974. Right? <laughs> yes, and then I, to answer your question, I saw him play, I actually saw him play in 1982. Celtic were playing them uh, in the European Cup. And boy, I was I was nervous all day. I, I was I thought I was going to see a beetle. Honestly, it was like, that's what it was like. And I don't know if English football. And I know it, it probably happened, but did you have you got the equivalent to a leftover? Uh, like if yeah. someone picks you up, a, yeah. a, a, a grown up picks you up and carries you over. Yeah, yeah. I actually got that. I was probably I was about sixteen. I was six. Quite I'm quite I'm six one and a, a bit now with a slouch. And uh, at the time, I was I don't think I've grown much since then. And <laughs> this, this, this guy was trying was giving me a lift over. I just I, I was able to vault over really, but you go over you get you get lift over. I don't know what it's called in England. There must be something in Scotland. It's called a lift there, right? A lift there. That's how it's pronounced. <laughs> a lift there. It's uh, the, the real word is lift over. I think there's a hyphen in it. Mm. <laughs> so we get a lift over to see him. So I get in to see him for free, and it was unbelievable. It just once once you'd saw him, I see everyone once after you saw him play. You watch football differently. Mm. You, it changed the way you watch football after you watched them because you couldn't. There was this sort of mathematical fluidity to the way he just moved. So yes, that was another turning point. I was so from loving him as a wee kid and copying. Obviously, we all copied the Cruyff turn and our, our platform shoes and our, our our flares and ended up in the local hospital trying to do the Cruyff turn. <laughs> is, that the, the, is that the game when he set up Jesper Olsen? It's got a really nice chip. The, I think he did. Yes, he did. He, he did. He, that was in nineteen eighty two. He played. Not he, he wasn't. He actually put in. Uh, I think it was maybe who was a big who was the captain again? Sorn Lerby maybe. Oh yeah. He put, he put the ball on. Oh him. no, that's right. It's Olsen. Olsen who Olsen was down Olsen the left. Took it in right. the left wing. Yeah, that's right. And round Lerby, it, like, yeah, there were yeah. statues, and then rattled it in beside the park yeah, bonus inside. Oh, they were amazing. And at the end of it, they they, they went off the park all thinking. They had and oh, it was an amazing game. But there's one, there was one wee moment. I think I mentioned it in the book. I do mention it in the book. There's one wee moment. Um, there's a, a bit in, in Celtic. It's called the Jungle. It's ob- ob- opposite of the main stand. Mm. And he was round about the 18 yard box, maybe just about two or three uh, yards from the the edge of the 18 yard box. And he's about to cross the ball in. And he he this thing where he, he did he does hits the ball without saying his right foot and across the. It's got a terrible name. I hate the name of it. I'm not even going to repeat it, but it's a tra- <laughs> Travella or something it's called. No, I didn't know. That's something new to me. And I've been into football since I was about five. <laughs> um, a Travella or something it's called. And, and it's hit the ball with the outside of the foot. And he crossed the ball, curved it right round and put it onto the guy's head. And everyone around us just started applauding how they're waving at a football game. And somebody who even <laughs> your biggest enemy does something pretty cool. And you stand up and you, everybody just starts clapping. And then he, he, he does this wee thing where he's running. 
he goes like that and he looks around and he, he gives it a wee mischievous smile and goes like that, goes like <laughs> that his eyes, rolls his eyes to heaven as if I would have finished that if it was me. And it was just like, and it was half a second and I, I get goose pimples now thinking about it. See, just thinking about it and being there. But And every time he, he, the, the people in the posh sheets were all, uh, they had the, the, the cameras, old cameras with flashes on it. <laughs> and it, was all, it was like a blitzkrieg every time he got the ball. It was just an incredible night. And it was really, really... It was funny, I was banging on about it to someone and going, oh, it's the most memorable. It seared across my brain and all that. And I was talking about how, how incredible it all was. And then, and then uh, somebody was t- somebody sent it to me uh, a, a week ago or something. And I looked at it. Somebody just sent it cold. Have you seen this? And I was like, aye, it's in my book, kid. <laughs> right. and I, I know I would swear, and I said, I said but and then I looked and they're wearing different. I, I, I said that I got the shirt there. I think it was either the shirts or the. I think I said they were wearing white socks or something, mm. and they're in blue socks. I was raging. Oh, I've said it's blue <laughs> socks. I've said it's blue socks. Obviously, my memory's gone. But I so it was an amazing night. An amazing night was watching them, and it, it, it was that was a really important. Uh, I think the fact that I knew about the con man, I knew about him playing in Feyenoord, and, and the fact that I'd seen him, then I started to think. I've got so I've got the making see something here. Then mm-hmm. I started writing down. I had a quick. I got my pencil and I thought, right, spend two hours and see how many of these games you can find out information on. And then because of the internet now and everything, yeah. you can just it was just there was a awful lot of things. But the biggest problem you had in, with Cruyff was when he was in interviews, he would he would bore easily. I think, and he would mm-hmm. just he would just make stuff up to get rid of people. He would just. <laughs> It would just be dismissive, and you'd you would start to read like one story. Like the the best example of that is see the the famous the Cruyff turn. Mm. The wee man who he, he did the Cruyff turn to is, I'm I'm almost in in the book. He he's the star. He's one of the stars of the <laughs> book because he just he's so humble. He's, he always says, "I laugh about it then, and I laugh about it now. Every day I get up, I think about it." And he's and he's eighty, <laughs> and he's talking about this this moment, and he's like, "I was just a, a working." Pro, I wasn't. I wasn't. I shouldn't have been on the same park as Johan Cruyff. But every time I see it, I still think I've got the ball. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's, it's just amazing. Listen to this wee guy, Jan Olsen. Yeah, Jan Olsen, his name was, and he's just he's still he's still with us, and he's still really. I think it was he was getting interviewed recently, and you know, and Cruyff comes off the park, and that's the truth. If if, if anybody even wants to Google Jan Olsen Cruyff turn, the the quotes are brilliant, and and he also does he, he that example of throughout the years all the stuff and, and, and how eulogised the turn came but the, the actual turn itself came me nothing, see mm. the actual ball the ball that came in, it, nothing happened from it mm. so it was it was like a bit of showboating and then it was like an old school manager would say well that's great but you never get the, the what, what did the, if Cruyff had been in the box he maybe have volleyed in. But where's Johnny your end Rep, product? <laughs> Johnny Rep, exactly, where's yeah. your end product? Johnny Rep missed it and are, they, they were rubbish Um what was his main motive? I don't know, that's what I was going to ask you. Um, I've got this theory, or half assed theory, about Diego Maradona. Mexico 86 is obviously as good as football's ever been, but if you want a real insight into his character, at the most profound insight, you have to go to Italian 90, where it was kind of him against the world. Is this season the best insight into Cruyff's character rather than all those glorious years at Ajax? Well, you think that. There's a few, obviously, no, there would be too many. And, and one, of his, one of his seasons at, at Barcelona as well, whenever he joined Barcelona at first, they beat one of the big games. They beat Real Madrid five mm. 0 and it was it was billed as Cruyff against Netza. So there was no, there was too many, far too many. It was just for me. It would just seem like a a good place. Now, if you if you're being writery and all that, yeah. <laughs> if you think yeah yeah, well let's well, where's my where's my my, my narrative arc and all that, <laughs> and, you, and you're 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 toying over it. 
I just thought it would be good if I could. The the headline of the book is it's Christ year at Feyenoord, but it's Christ's life mm. while anchored in that bit, and that's the prism. That's that's but it's that's but it's pivoted so that you can go from you can look at all his career before playing at Feyenoord and all his career after it and keep coming back to it. So there's too many years. Mm. I think I think though, but I agree with you with the 1990 thing we because it. Um, with Maradona, he just, you know, he, he caught it and captured it and really encapsulated everything about that World Cup. But, you know, um, I don't know, 74 probably would have been, that's, that's a really good question, 74 was probably, the World Cup at 74, the, it's, a, it's worth hitting and watching it again, just just even if it's an hour documentary about the whole World Cup. The, the Dutch were just like a different level. They, 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 were, they were too arrogant in the final. They should have won it. Mm. They, they did everything right apart from win the game, yeah. <laughs> which is daft to say. But seventy four, um, and then a couple of these seasons, he won a Euro- he won the European Cup three years in a row. Um, I don't know. But do you think that the final move shows a side of him that people didn't always appreciate, just how stubborn and almost spiteful he could be if he wanted? Well, another thing that um, transpired near the end of the book, which almost <laughs> ruined it for me, was um, all the thing about he went, was that right? It was like almost like a spiteful move to go. But in the end, Cruyff admits he, he was just like, he was a broken man because he'd lost his, he, he, knew, he knew he lost his father when he was young. Mm. And it, but he's, he's, his mum married again and to a guy called his uncle Henke, who was his dad's best friend. It sounds a bit sordid when you hear it like that, but it was actually quite a natural thing. He was like a, a stepdad from him, and he, he called him his second dad. And his second dad had died just before they were in doing the negotiations. And, and he, he says in his book, you know, it might have been something that's brilliant, Cruyff. He basically said, you know, Cruyff, Ajax might have had a point letting me go. I was, I was in bits. I, I, I went to I went to Feyenoord as a broken man. I was like, oh God, we we tell us this for <laughs> <laughs> this wasn't part of the story yet, did he? Right, so and then you read it, and then, and then at the very last sentence, and he says it is it's classic Cruyff. He does all this. He sets it all up. He says, you know, Ajax. You know, they, they might have had a point letting me go, and you know, they might have thought. And I think my head wasn't there. I'd lost my second father, and I was just I was in bits. It, it really got to me. But then I used all that energy from that sadness to get back at Ajax for letting me go. <laughs> no, it's something like that. He's just fantastic. He just he, he was brilliant at that. Just understatement and then in my colour punchline. Poof. How was he? Uh, yeah, so he went to Feyenoord. Um, but I, I think it was. It was a, a bit of everything. But uh, was that right? Still to prove that he, mm. he could play. Um, financial, definitely, because they were... They were he knew there was one big bumper season to go and he, he made a lot of money that year. He admits that. He, he, he had a lot of fun and he, he loved, he loved actually playing with, uh, with the, the guys there because it, it was, they were a really, they were a good team, they were a powerful team, but they were workmanlike. Mm. But they, he had a young Rutulet there. Rutulet was there and Rutulet's got a brilliant bit in it. In fact, I've maybe got a quote, I've got a quote here. Rutulet says, uh, and, and then see his book. Have you read his book? How to watch football? If you can pick it up as well, it's an absolutely amazing book about football. If you Is love it? football, oh, to, it's I, fantastic. I know of it. I've not read it, but yeah, I'll have a, I'll have a look. It's fantastic, and, and he's talking about the manager, the uh, Tish Ligbrit, His name is something mm. like that. I can't, that was, yeah. that was my take at the Dutch. 
he said it wasn't. He said it wasn't uh, the manager, uh, but Cruyff who dictated tax and positions. My place in his ideal final lineup was as a pure outside right. Once again, a whole new situation to adapt to. But Cruyff's will was law. <laughs> Cruyff's on the park, managing yeah. the team yeah. and the coach. The the final coach just standing going. Take it, take it away, Johan. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Let's That's do it. And he really marshaled them and he shaped them and he structured them. And, and there was a famous moment when they, they played the Classica against uh, Ajax. And it was a big talk. He was going back to face, back to Amsterdam to, to play in this game. And they could beat 8-2. You know, they, they they didn't, it was like, like they didn't just get beat 8-2, they get slaughtered 8-2. And yet when you're watching the game, it didn't seem like an 8-2. If that makes sense, mm. there was just like a, I know there was a lot of counter attacks, but at the end of that, he went on to the equivalent to what would be like match of the day, and said, "We're going to win this. We're going to win the league." And everybody in Dutch football thought he'd lost the plot. We're laughing at him and all that, and it was as if he knew, "No, we're going to run." I know, I know exactly what's going on in the team, and he changed the team. He brought in a wee guy who was. I won't waste it for he brought he brought in a wee guy who's who was like a part time player. Mm. Uh, Stanley Brad Bard his name was. He was like he was a PE teacher uh, by day, but he was as fit as anything. I nearly said fit as there for there. <laughs> <laughs> you can say that, sorry. No, I don't. But I, I, I know he's like your, your bad language, but I'm not. I'm not going to <laughs> Catholic boy and all that. I can't bear what I'm saying. So the um, I saw this Stanley Brad come in and he changed it, and he did him and Weinsteiger's his guy. They're both left backs. Well, like Andy Robertson. He mm. a left back and they had that they got him playing in a switching position. So they were doing all his running for him and he was controlling it. And from that moment on they won these amazing runs and they ended up winning it. It's an amazing story. It's kind of Absolutely worth an amazing story. And it's a football it's a football story as well because he just knew everyone was laughing at him. Mm. And the guys, imagine being in the dressing room, imagine you're a senior pro at, at finals and you're taking your boots off, you're going, he's going down each player, he's going, Don't worry, we're going to win. I know I know what's what's, what's going to happen. Mm. He's going to we're going to win this and all. I'd have punched him. Get <laughs> in my face, you, you daft Yeah, nutcase. It's an amazing, just an act of will, really, isn't it? I was going to say it's worth saying that um, where final were they hadn't won the league for ten years, had they? I think they finished second year before, but like you said, they were quite workmanlike. Over, young over the five years, they were they were they were third, fourth. They were kind of a, like they are in, in in Dutch football. They are like Liverpool, Man United. They're they're mm. like you know the two big clubs, and then every now and then. Like a Leicester pop their heads in or every now yeah. and then, but they they were they were toiling. They were third fourth position. Uh, aye, they were they were low, but their fans kept showing up. Their fans would show up, and their fans were very loyal. They were they were like the, the Ajax fans were a wee bit more maybe middle class and a wee bit more aloof. And and if and if the team weren't playing well, they started complaining about it. If they weren't winning all the time, they complained and didn't show up. So. Sometimes the gates were like ten thousand and all that. They were they were low, but it's, it's very interesting. Dutch football, it's a it's a different kind of beast. Mm. So it's weird. It's yeah, weird. Really, and actually, you cover that really nicely in the book. I think I was just going to uh, uh, that the kind of differences between the cultures of the clubs. How did the final fans take to Cruyff? At first, uh, they hated him. Uh, final forever, Cruyff never things like that. Big, yeah. a lot of, a lot of f off Cruyff. Oh, they were terrible at the start. 
But he says this thing that the the the, the finals are quite a famous tournament. They always invite Spurs over for fights. Mm. I think all the fans fight fight with them. But they used to always <laughs> they used to, used to always have uh, a, a final tournament. Celtic played it a couple of times as well. Mm. They have people over and they they do this too. And he he scored in his first game, and all the players were all celebrating with him. He could he said at that point I knew the fans were kind of a, they started cheering and they realised they stopped cheering because it was me that scored. But over <laughs> over time he just he just kept playing it and then eventually. They started getting it, and then when they started going the runs and all these the runs, when they started going on these successful runs of games, they they really started to it started to happen, you know, it started to click into place, and you could see the, the team and the team bought into it because there was a lot of hard, there was a lot of there was a lot of Roy Keynes in that team, a lot of guys like that, and there was mm-hmm. a lot of Steve Gerrards in it, and a lot of guys who were like real hard fans that supported the club that were really there, and it, they knew. That um, Cruyff was a it was it was it was a big gamble going for him, but when it, when the fans saw the the died in the wheel, uh, Feyenoord players who were fans as well celebrating with them and buying into it, they 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 mellowed a bit, and then when they started to win, football fans, you know, they, if, people if if they're winning, they'll they'll take it, and they still love them. They 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 obviously, I mean, never he, he left, he he did the year and then he left, and there's he still get this. They, they, they love them. They, they, I've had loads and loads of um, emails, and I've actually done a, a an interview with, with the, the Feyenoord uh, fanzine, the, the the club, the big club fanzine, mm. and they're, they're really they still they all love anything about Cruyff in that season. It's, it's still a huge, huge thing for them. I love the fact that it was just a year. You know, he didn't hang around for a I second. No, I know just, that'll do. But you, you know why? The double. You know yeah. what happened? The, the original time, even uh, he, he retired, um, and. When he was thirty-one and all that, and the 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 club Ajax had organised a game against Bayern Munich, and Bayern Munich. Oh came yeah, that's spitefully eight 0 win. They won, they won eight nothing. <laughs> but <laughs> eight nothing. I keep trying to watch that game to see what it's like because it's just oh, it's oh, they were they were uh, Mullard was getting booed and, and they were getting, <laughs> they were ridiculous. getting that and they were getting uh, they were getting he was there was rumours that they were sort of they were calling them Nazis and all that and, and the, the German guys for that era are cool you know guys like Paul Breitner are yeah, like yeah. philosophers and all that yeah, right yeah. <laughs> and we Gerd Muller's not well just now either I looked, I didn't know that until recently he, he, he's got Alzheimer's now yeah I, think. I read that and he, but, but he had a trouble with a, a serious problem with alcohol yeah. and Bayern Munich paid for him to get through it and but what a, what a player but there was a point when, when Bayern Munich uh, oh, sorry whenever um, he actually almost joined and teamed up with, with Cruyff at Barcelona can you imagine that? Oh the two of them at Barcelona. Aye, they wanted him, but he, it nearly happened as well. But something, I think he wanted to stay to be part of the nucleus of the World Cup side. See, I think at first, Muller wanted to go. Gerd Muller wanted to go. That's why Netzer was marginalised partly, wasn't it? Because he yes, went off to Madrid. And, and he went to Madrid. And ended up missing out, or not missing out of the World Cup, or not playing it much. Do you, um, know, get, yeah. uh, do you know that he's got size 14 feet? Netzer or Muller? Uh-huh, Netzer. Netzer, really? Yes. Crikey, I love it's it. In my, it's in my European uh, book that I don't want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I watched that 3-1 at Wembley recently for something I was writing about. Oh, him. it was amazing. Hi, oh, it was amazing. Game. so good. So everything about him, I love. I'd love to know more about him. He just seems such well, an interesting it's, bloke. It's a, it's a cracking chapter in the history of European football and 100 objects. <laughs> and the objects is, is football, but it's... No, he's big feet. Jesus. So that's, that was the that's the story. But I mean, the, whenever he was playing there, this isn't about Gunter. This, this could be mm. uh, the next. This could be next year's chat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Gunter Netzer is. I there was an amazing uh, bit in the 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 final final game he played. Um, 
in the I won't keep you, but he was playing in the Dutch FA Cup final. Whatever it's called, yeah, sorry, the German yeah, FA Cup well, he final. Just, and and he, wouldn't, he wouldn't go on the yeah. bench. The, the manager, been, the, he, he told the manager he was leaving to go to Madrid. Also, his mother had died the same week, and he wasn't in the right frame of mind to play. But he decided he was going on. He just walked technically, he's walked on the park. Three minutes later, <laughs> gets a ball, plays a one-two, puts it in the top corner. <laughs> It's just like it's like Roy the Rover stuff, you know. And then they had the hair as well, didn't he? As well, yeah. it just like he just looked like the archi- If you had, if God had to create a, a an archetypal German footballer with a big cracking car and all that, he just he looked like James Hunt or something, didn't he? he was just something else. He's still alive. He lives yeah. in Switzerland. Some of the stories are incredible, like buggering off to was it Frank Sinatra's daughter's wedding or something. That's halfway right, through right? Madrid season, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> just... um, the, the final thing, it's worth saying. So the Ajax eight two. Came quite early in the season. I think they only they lost did. one more yeah, game. So it was maybe game seven or eight or something. And uh-huh. they they plugged Ajax, I think four one in the return game, but also put them out of the cup. So they, did. Kind they of... played them, and it was uh, it went to a replay. It was two each or something. Mm. Enough, that was that was one of the games that I found really hard to get info on. It's... I think I said something like they, they went for a Dutch Bovro. The journalist supposed to <laughs> somewhere. There must have been a party or something on. Yeah. Something good in the telly that night. But I uh, they they did, and and they it's interesting with the 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 Dutch have got a really good. It's like the equivalent to the FA Cup. Now the FA Cup went through a wee period of being sort of uh, dismissed and and sort of they put out weakened sides and all that. Uh, the Dutch were like, no, the Dutch they always it was always it was a big thing to win uh, the KNVB trophy. That was a huge thing to win it. So do you think that's quite an important part of the story? Not just that he went there and won the league, but that he also won the double. He, he won the double. They always say that you know, look, you become a legend at clubs. So think about teams that win the double you yeah. know, the guys the, the 11 players in the squad are always stick together but he also won player of the year as well mm. so he won <laughs> I mean, he won the player of the year he won the player they have two players player of the years who won the other one there was one that sort of the the paper the famous paper picks and the one at the, the I think the actual FA the, the, the players vote for he won the one at the the one that was the cooler one that all the, the newspaper guys all mm. guys that watch the football at the time and all the fans pick Aye. It's such a unique story. I can't think of anything like you said. It's it's like I suppose Messi to Madrid is an obvious one, but then for it to go pan out the so, way it did as well. So well, it's okay for a lot of times. Legends do go. I mean, yeah, stories like maybe like off the top of my head, Dennis Law. It's often quite he, grubby. He never, ends up. he never went. He never went from uh, United to to City though. He he went. Via clubs, not didn't he? I think. I think he was sure. direct, but it, but that was. I mean, he was, was it a direct move? I, I'm pretty I sure because he was stitched up by Tommy Doherty, apparently. But um, oh, right. but yeah, but it always often ends up quite grubby, doesn't it? It certainly doesn't pan out like this. That like it's a just a classic. Like to you go say, from like to go from one team like that to another, and for, basically he proved that he could still play. He proved that he, he mattered. I think that was the thing that upset him. He just wanted to. He, he in his head. I mentioned this in the book, in his head, because he had played in America and he had played, he, he'd bought himself maybe like a season and a half to his legs were, he, he was like a 33 year old. And yeah. you see at the very end of the season, there's a crank, there's crank footage of him. You can go on and watch it and you see him and, and the cameras follow him going up into the, the big long tunnel that they've got and up the stairs into the, the dressing room and he takes his top off and he's got like he's, he looks like he's like a 31 year old he's mm. fat as a fiddle yeah. and he called him fat as well <laughs> oh, he called him fat the guy yeah, not... say you're putting on weight and all that he's like oh is that right <laughs> he's not gonna have that is he no <laughs> yeah do you i think, think it's that it's a fierce sorry that's sort of shooting no, no, because no, I, okay. I can't see the fierce genius thing is just like that idea of how you know how how the elite sportsmen think 
Mm. You know, it's it's more to do with the level of uh, competitiveness and just that that will and that sheer determination. You know, it's just, a, and then he did the same at, at, when he became a coach as well. See, going back to a wee while ago, we were talking about the uh, Italian 90. Did you know that there was a chance that he, yes. he nearly became the coach? I know. Which it, would it would have be been, this, that because team. obviously you're and you'll know that. Yeah, which would have and been it, incredible. And the, the the stars almost aligned for him. And it was, again, it was the KNVB that overruled it. Mm. Didn't end it up was Renus Michaels, they say. That, and Dutch football fans, are, there's two stories. Dutch football fans say Renus Michaels didn't want him winning the... Been like because he'd won it. Oh, he had won. He had won it. Yeah. He'd won the Euros. Yeah, Remember they won the Euros in nineteen eighty eight. Yes, yes, yes. But Van Basten and and Rijkaard and Hullet were really, really powerful, big, big players in the, the dressing room, and they they wanted Liebgrits. Poor Liebgrits again. It's him again. <laughs> he wanted him out. He wanted him out, and they wanted Cruyff in because it was discipline, and they were right because that was that was the year that uh, uh, Rijkaard spat on. Volley, what's yeah. his name? And, uh, what's his name? Yeah, the German, mm-hmm. yeah, Rudy Voller, the German guy. Rudy Voller, sorry, yeah. I was trying to remember his name. No, it's, yeah, and they were diabolical, that's all. But they were well. terrible, and they, they drew three games, remember? They drew three mm. games, then they get put out with Germany in that game. Mm. They, get, they drew with Ireland England, as well, remember? England and Egypt. And England. Yeah, and Egypt. And Egypt. Oh, you're you're good. You're good. <laughs> that's my kind of, that's my equivalent of 74, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. So, um, what was going to ask you? Yeah, do you think even... Even allowing for kind of, I totally agree with you that great sports people kind of think differently to the rest of us. But even within that, do you think there's another level of people who it's even more important to go out as a winner? It just feels like Cruyff had to, like you said, was, he had to stay was, relevant and had to do it on his do terms. You know, you've, you've done me a huge favour because that was one of the strands that I picked up earlier. We were talking about the game. We are talking mm. about that game that he finished up in uh, the, the Germans, uh, Bayern Munich beat them 8 nothing. Yeah. And yeah, that was his. He was that was his his cut and closing moment in football and all that. And he had this thing eating away at him whenever he was over in America. He got a chance to rethink and then he come back. And it was always that was one of the key things. He wanted to finish it in a better way. He wanted to round off the story in a nicer way and in a more successful way. So that's exactly right. He, he come back because he wanted to like edit the storyline. He yeah, wanted exactly. to change it, and, and he did it. He did it. It, it was perfect. He went. Not only did it did it look as if there was a wee twist when Ajax were, didn't want him because of the money he was making, they were, they were sick of the money he was, they were getting. He was getting put in his pension and he just let him go. He offered him a, a standard player contract. He goes to Feyenoord, league and cup double, player of the year, job done. And it's he, he bows out then and he says there's a cracking line in the book. I won't waste it. There's a really nice line in the book and it's, it's in his book as well. And he, and it was, I think it's actually the title of the last chapter in it. He just, he just, he just rounds it off, and it's, it was just, it was a perfect way to go, out and it was, it was all good. It just happened, and it was really this Dutch mentality again. This, you know, he was, he was proud of himself, but there's a, there's a really humbling moment in it as well. That he played two games, he played two games near the maybe about April, maybe Easter time, mm-hmm. and they had to play like Good Friday or Easter Sunday. And there were two games, and he, he, he was, he played well in both of them, and then. The, the day after it, he couldn't he couldn't walk. He falls down the stairs, oh. and and he he says to his wife, "That's it, we're done. We can't do, we can't go anymore. We need to stop." Mm. And that was the moment that he realised. In, in about five or six weeks, he was he was quitting football for good because he and he, he was just he couldn't. He said that he was lying at the bottom of the stairs. It's all in the, it's all in the book, kids. It's all First genius, book, Christ, you're at final. Cheer up. <laughs> <laughs> what was the most enjoyable thing about writing and researching the book? I felt as if I got to know him because the obviously you know him as a, a wee boy and you know him mm-hmm. as a football fan and 
somebody's quite obsessive about football and and I, I just think that by the end of it, even when he was a golfer playing at, um, at the Dunhill Championships and, and, and there's there's millions and millions and millions of info on him and I got I felt as if I got to know him and then his book, God God help him at that book, oh just mm. when you're reading it you're thinking, Ah, oh, and he knows he's got cancer and he's going to die as well. And but there was this humour, and he and see even at the end, at near the end of his career, see the Ajax team that he, he totally changed. He had a column, their Telegraph or something. It's called the the, the Dutch mm, newspaper, yeah. I think. And it is perhaps that the German. No, it's a Dutch. I'm all confused now. I'm getting, I'm getting <laughs> a bit emotional. It's, it's really sad because he's just he's just got this um, desire to to he sees things in football that people other people uh, don't, and he, he had this thing about. In Ajax now, all the players are, are getting coached, but they're not getting coached by guys that have played football. Mm. And it's just we, it's, it's just small things. It's like a guy, who, a wee boy who's 10, needs to learn where to run into space and how to trap a ball and how to header a ball properly. But a guy who's 18 uh, or 17 or 18 needs pre- preparation for how it's going to be when he's playing in the first team. And how he and he and he's, he's, he goes through all that, and it's very very simple how he breaks it all down. But he did this column. This it's a famous moment in Dutch football. He does this column. This is near the, quite near the end of his life. He does this column, and about he totally transforms uh, Dutch football again. And, and the, the Ajax that that played against Spurs a few seasons ago, mm-hmm. all those players were all because of his changes that he brought through. And he, he gave up on it because he got so frustrated with it. And he was obviously he was ill. But I think in about t- 2015, he did wrote a column to say. I'm out of this. Mm. I've done my bit. It's up to you now, and I, I feel as if you, you haven't listened to me. But the, the the stuff that they did before that, all these guys all come through later on. They're playing for Man United and AC Milan and everywhere else now, or Juventus now. All these stars that come through, Delete and all these guys, they're all huge stars. But the the, the Ajax connection was always awful strong with him. And he, he joined. I think it was called the Purple Revolution or something. Or the Velvet Revolution. The mm. Purple Revolution, that'd be... That's Prince, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Velvet Revolution. And, uh, but it's just all that stuff. So all, there's a lot of things that happened that you didn't really know about at the end of his life as well, which were more kind of a local to, to his column in, in the Netherlands and to, to his, his media work. And he was on the telly and he was still... He, I thought he got better looking as he got older as well. He just mm. had this sort of of uncle or charm about it. it was like your favourite uncle you know he just I felt as if I went on a wee journey with him when I was writing a book it sounds a bit patronising a bit cheesy to say it but I really felt a, a kind of a I felt as if I honestly felt as if he was with me when I was writing it and because I, I think he would like it because <laughs> I'm, nice, I'm nice about him and I tell the truth as if, I let people know there's there's a cracking chapter in it about Johnny Rep. They tried mm-hmm. to finally try to repeat the, the thing the next year with Johnny. They offered it to Cruyff Cross. Like, I can't. I, he told them. He told the, the guys at Final that I, I fell down. I couldn't go up again in the house. And my wife had to help me upstairs to my bed, and I, I couldn't walk and all that. And they, they said that they're going to get Johnny Rep in to do it. And Johnny Rep couldn't do it. Johnny Rep's stories another one. He was mm-hmm. a superstar for for the Dutch, and they just totally abandoned. He's, he's, he became like an alcoholic as well, I think, and left his wives and all these different things. Ended up driving about in a camper van. He lived in like a, a hobo, living like a rough guy, like mm. walking about the streets now. And That's they wouldn't give him a job. He, he actually asked if he could get a job coaching and they wouldn't, the, the Dutch wouldn't give him a job. Just strange, just strange football, isn't it? How just yeah, it's, so it's scary how many like genuine superstars just... I just left, almost left to die. It's just once they hit, once they hit problems. But that's that's what one thing I love about Bayern actually looking after Gert Muller because it's oh they're, they're, they're strong on it. it. Yeah, they're they very are. strong on it. Yeah. What was I going to ask you? Um, 
Yeah, what, what do you think, having spent so much time with him, what what's Croy's greatest quality? Or most important quality, if you like? I think it's just his, his, his determination. Mm. Even when he was ill, he was fighting it and he... And he just—I don't know—he just sort of this mentality. I just—I just love that mentality. People at that level, you know, we Maradona and all. And he was flawed. He wasn't perfect. Mm. I said that to a lot of people. All the guys I like are all like Socrates. Yeah. And and you know they're flawed. And, and even Zidane's still alive. Zidane as a player, I thought Zidane was the guy who was going to become the next world superstar. But he, he had that anger and that rage in him. I think. Yeah. There's a cracking bit about Rutula. I think when it, the bits are all out and, and they're, they're talking, and he's, he's saying that the, the, he couldn't get the ball off him in training. He's, <laughs> he's, he said he's 37, and he's 36, 37, and he's running by him, and, and he's, he's elbowing you, and he's and he's he's bony, and he's you can't get the ball off him, and he's really really strong. But I, I don't know what the, I just I just loved him. Mothers loved. I was really obsessed. Still am. I think he. He's my favorite, my favorite footballer of all time. I love Maradona and, and Cruyff. I think Pele could have been. Pele was the crap. I would take Pele in my five side <laughs> if if he had the right attitude. He could do a job. <laughs> do you think he guys like me? I'm sorry for not answering your question. I, I can't really answer it. I just I just liked him. Mm. I don't know. No, I can't. Uh, he's he's he's. I think it, the fierce genius again. It's that thing where he just was really really. You know that that wee bit about him, we say in Scotland, he was just he, whenever he wanted to, he could you know he could mix it as well, mm. and he was tough. But the, the guys that I mean Maradona as well, you have to be seen the, the, the brutal what happened to him. And it's the same way with that year. See, if you look at the year, see the part the the parts they were playing on the pitches and the surfaces, yeah. and yet they were still performing. You know, yeah. guys like guys were really really good. It's a kind good. of different type of hard man, isn't it? People like Croy from Maradona because they had to take the ball all the time, like you say, pitches that were bumpy as anything and also GBH was basically only a yellow card in those days yes that and guys like George Best Jimmy yeah, Johnston yeah. all these classic players that were like the famous uh, players they were all hard as nails because they yeah. had to be you know and they were tough opponents but they, they were they had, they really had to protect themselves but it was a different sport now I think football and you see it now VAR and all that <laughs> Jesus Christ <can> you <laughs> don't mention oh you mentioned VAR or alarms are going off <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, we'll, we'll, we'll cut that out. So no VARs, I don't. Right. Um, any anything else you want to say about the book, or any particular? No, I just there's one wee story that I thought was funny that a genuine sort of football fans would like from this era. And when you think of how precious people are about uh, the, you know, like memorabilia and shirts and all that, mm. the Celtic player George McCluskey was playing in a game, the return game. That I saw, I saw the first leg, obviously. I didn't have enough money to go over the Ajax. <laughs> yeah, a lift over 16, to, to get a lift over. I don't know what Dutch for lift over is over there. And uh, I went over, I lift over. <laughs> I, I went, I went uh, watching the game and Charlie Nicholas, I think we talked about the Charlie Nicholas goal. Mm. Uh, Charlie Nicholas scored one of the goals and, and McCluskey scored the second one. And at the end of the game, McCluskey, George McCluskey goes in to the dressing room, quite nervous, you know, he's chaps in the door, the Dutch players to see. Does anyone want to change jerseys? And no one says a thing to him. Everyone just draws him dirty look. He goes like, <laughs> goes to leave the the, the dressing room, crestfallen. And Cruyff goes, McCluskey, <laughs> I'll I'll change with you. And that's what he says. And George tells that story. And and he goes pebbles. <laughs> and, and he went, well, well, well play. I won't do the impersonation. It sounds like Sean Connery, doesn't it? <laughs> he goes, oh, McCluskey, I'll I'll swap with you. I'll swap with you. And he goes, oh, cheers, you'll hand on. Shakes his hand, leaves, leaves, and he's all chuffed. He walks into Celtic dressing room. He's got Cruyff top. Years later, his brother uh, wears it to the five-a-side. 
and he, and he gets knocked. So people steal it. Somebody steals his woman top. And you think about that now. If, if a player was playing now, it would be in a, in a frame somewhere, in a safe. <laughs> he's away. He's away. He's, his brother was... But imagine if your big brother played for Celtic or Man United or Liverpool or something, yeah. and he came in with some training gear, he'd be stealing all his gear. So he just took the top and he thought, oh, that's a nice top. Oh, that's, a, that's an Ajax top. I'm, I'm having that. And he's, he's away to five or six to show off his Ajax top. Oh, doesn't realise it. Maybe he did know it was Johan Cruyff. He, was, he was, might not have done but just a number on the back of those Just days, a number on so the maybe... back, a number 14. Do you know why it was a number 14 as well? Do you know how that happened? Oh, I do, but it's completely gone. I've completely... Jerry Moorin, the guy who's... Oh, yeah, he absolutely yes, awesome, didn't he? Arnold's brother, and he, yeah. he was unable to get his, his number seven. So Cruyff gave him his number nine, and he went into the big basket, the big laundry basket, and the random one was a, a 14. Now, all that legend is all made out about number 14 on it, which is totally, totally random. <laughs> totally that accidental. That's a good wee fact. Mm. Put that, in, put that in your 100 European objects. I know. Oh, sh- oh, no, sure I should. Oh, I don't know, man. It was my pencil. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, good jo- Thanks. That was really, that was really no, good fun. I, Do you want to just remind people all about the book, what it's called? But thanks very it. much for having me on again. It's Fierce Genius, Cross Year at Feyenoord, available on Pitch Publishing, and it's out on February the 15th, which I think is soon. That's today. <laughs> You'll need to change that. Yeah, by the, time this is, by the time this comes out, it'll probably be a month ago. Easter. Anyway. <laughs> I can, yeah, and I can heartily recommend it. It's a great read. So, um, Thanks yeah. so much. It's been great talking. And um, you can tell it's lockdown. I've not been talking to anyone about football. I'm so excited. <laughs> That's okay. Just um, the full, full yeah. jibber. The full jibber was on. <laughs> we should get you on again for your 100 Objects book. Uh, that's a promise. Let's do it. And thanks again for everything. Sports Social Podcast Network.